Do you want to talk about books? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up a well-read life. I'm sorry to be a couple of days late in getting an episode out. My daughter and I have been sick, so that's why I am releasing this episode on Thursday instead of the usual Tuesday. Today I am continuing with my series on The Yearling by Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings. Now, I will be giving away some spoilers in today's episode, so if you have not read the book yet and are hoping to read it, I would suggest pausing and coming back later to this episode. I mentioned last time that Penny and Ora Baxter lost many children before they had Jody. All of their children were extremely young when they passed away, and some so young that they were buried without a name, with only their sex to mark their brief life on this earth. Penny and Aura bury at least five children before Jody is born, a scrappy, dreamy boy who lives and thrives despite the hardships of the world into which he is born. Tragedy shapes Penny and Aura in different ways in their relationship with their son. And the way in which they give and receive love is vastly different because of this. One gives their love freely, one guards it, and holds it away in fear. No child is guaranteed a warm and loving relationship with their parents. It's just a harsh reality of the world in which we live. And as difficult as it is to believe when in childhood, there is a frailty to our parents. They can succumb to the hardships and the brokenness around them too. We see this especially in The Yearling, where Aura succumbs to the hardships and the brokenness of the world around her by turning in and cutting off her love. She's self-preserving. But on the flip side, one can choose to fight against the bitterness of life and allow the love they have to flow freely to this precious gift which God has entrusted to them. The love of a parent and child is in itself a miracle. Penny chooses the latter, to love his young son with abandon. In spite of everything that has happened, in spite of all that's been taken away from him, he chooses to love this child. And it's a good thing because Aura, although she does love him, I'm, it may sound like she doesn't in my description, she loves Jody, but she withholds her love. She is not demonstrative in her affection towards him as Penny is to his son. So these two, Penny and Jody, have this very close relationship. Now, I don't know if this would be the case if it were not for the character of Penny the type of man that he is. He is a man of integrity. He is kind, he's humorous, he's understanding, he's compassionate, he has great self-control. He's a gentleman, he's a hard worker. And all of this we see throughout the book, especially that sense of humor and that deep understanding of his son. I've touched on it briefly in the last episode of how much I admire the character of Penny, which is going to be good to keep in mind for a little bit later in the episode when I talk about the very difficult thing Penny asks his son to do, which can seem counter to all of these wonderful traits that I just described. But I hope that I can give a semi-good explanation for that. Penny's own childhood was very difficult. He's the son of a preacher who was a very difficult man, a very strong disciplinarian. 
There was never enough food in the home. There were lots of children. And because of this, Penny is a very slight and small man. He was slightly malnourished as a child. He's also wounded from the world. I read that quote last time about Penny choosing his land because it was far away from all of the hurt that can be found in town among a larger group of people. And in that quote, I talked about how he found his solace in his land in the wilderness around him. He also finds healing and solace in the relationship with his son. I want to read a quote. It's towards the beginning of the book. It's after Jody has slipped away. In the very beginning, I I read a quote, I think, in the introduction episode about him wandering off in the beautiful April morning when he's supposed to be doing his chores. He's supposed to be helping his father. And instead, he runs off and he builds a flutter mill in the creek and just spends a delightful day and comes home to his father, not scolding him, but asking about his day and then very gently reminding him of what his responsibilities were. So that night, Penny is thinking over Jody's day, and I want to read a quote from that section of the book. Jody's mother had accepted her youngest with something of detachment, as though she had given all she had of love and care and interest to others. But Penny's bowels yearned after his son. He gave him something more than his paternity. He found that the child stood wide-eyed and breathless before the miracle of bird and creature, of flower and tree, of wind and rain and sun and moon, as he had always stood. And if, on a soft day in April, the boy had prowled away on his boy's business, he could understand the thing that had drawn him. He understood, too its briefness. I just love the beautiful understanding that Penny has for his son. Instead of scolding him, he reminisces about his own time in childhood, the briefness of it, and also just that description of how dearly he loves his son. Now, Jody, if you have already gathered from what I've said earlier and from that quote, is a very young boy. He's probably about 12 or so, I think. He's a little irresponsible, but that's due to a lack of maturity. He's not trying to do it disrespectfully or disobediently. He's just immature. He's just a little boy. He is good-natured. He's a dreamer, but he's also lonely, even though he has this beautiful relationship with his father. So I want to read a quote, another quote, about Jody and him thinking back over that day in April from the quote that I just read. So you can kind of see where both of them are coming from and how they are tied together, even over this small event. He went to bed in a fever and could not sleep. A mark was on him from the day's delight, so that all his life, when April was a thin green and the flavor of rain was on his tongue, an old wound would throb and a nostalgia would fill him for something he could not quite remember. I love how Marjorie Kennan Rawlings describes both of those moments as the day has worn on and both of these characters are reminiscing about the day and you get each of their perspective and the way that she brings out the beauty of the natural world and just that delight in a very ordinary day. I just think that it's such a beautiful way that she is able to do that and a reminder of taking joy in the delight of the day that we are given. But that is a <laughs> that is another rabbit hole. I won't go down. Uh, I'll try to stay on topic as best I can. So we've seen both of their perspective. I've mentioned that Jody is a lonely boy. 
There's another quote. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he's asking for his parents for a pet. Jody constantly is pestering his parents for a pet. And he tells them that he wants something of his own. He wants something to follow him and be his. He wants something with dependence on him. And that's paraphrasing it, but he says that specifically he wanted something with dependence on him. And so Penny and Jody share this strong father-son relationship. Penny is the opposite father of his own. He's less of a disciplinarian, it seems. But in his teasing and kindness and gentleness, an easygoing manner, he lovingly disciplines his son. That's so beautifully portrayed throughout this book, how it seems like he's letting his son get away with so many things, but he gently reminds him and gently prods him and gently tries to bring him back around. And when Jody needs stiff discipline, he will give it to him. But his first reaction is for it to be done in kindness and gentleness in this teasing sort of manner. Jody is absolutely devoted to his father. The relationship is built on love completely on both sides. It's just this perfect companionship. They're often in each other's company. They hunt together. Penny tells Jody stories, which Jody loves to hear, and they laugh and joke together all the time, in spite of all the hardship that they have and the lack that they have in their life. They have, they share humor, they share work when Jody chooses to work, and they share a very deep and honest relationship. Because of Jody's devotion to his father and his love of his father, his obedience is built off of love. It is not, as I said, Penny is not like his father. And the relationship between Jody and Penny are not like the relationship Penny had with his father. Jody will choose to obey his father. And then his father is injured. And we come to the point where Flag arrives, which is Jody's pet deer. Penny and Jody are walking out together. It may be a hunt or they may be visiting their neighbors. I'm, I'm not quite sure. They're walking out together. They're in the woods, I believe, or a forest. And Penny is stricken by a rattlesnake. Now, you can imagine how terrifying that is. It would be terrifying now, and we have much more medical treatment at our beck and call. They are cut off from town, and the nearest doctor is quite far away, and he's a little bit of a functioning alcoholic, so his methods may not be the best, and there aren't the treatments that we have now. So I want to read you a quote from this section of the book. And it is the reaction of Jody to his father being bitten by the rattlesnake. It came to him that his father was already dead or dying. The burden of the thought was intolerable. He ran faster to shake it off. Penny could not die. Dogs could die and bears and deer and other people. That was acceptable because it was remote. His father could not die. The earth might cave in under him in one vast sinkhole and he would accept it. But without Penny, there was no earth. Without him, there was nothing. And of course, you can imagine this fear of this child. And Marjorie Cannon Rawlings writes it so well. I just am in awe of her writing. But it's so palpable, this fear, this, this devastation that he may lose his father. Penny survives, though. And from the sacrifice of a doe, Penny kills a doe. I mentioned in the last episode that Penny is not one to take the life of an animal unless it is absolutely necessary for his survival or his family's survival. And he does some sort of, from what I can tell, it must be a folk remedy, but it works. And he shoots the deer and then he extracts the liver and places the liver on the bite to get the poison out. Unbeknownst to him, 
the doe had a baby. And from the sacrifice of the doe, Jody is given his longed for pet flag. Finally, Jody has something with, as he has said, dependence on him. And Flag and Jody flourish, and Penny and Jody increase in their love and understanding of each other. The farm continues to go through its ups and downs, and there is lack and there are moments of plenty, but these relationships hold true and are steady throughout the book until we reach the end. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Penny and Jody's relationship is one of the most wholesome and loving father-son relationships that I have come across in literature. I've done my best to show a little of the tenderness between the two. I'm hoping just enough to whet your appetite to read the book. But as I alluded to just a minute ago, as the end of the book draws close, it takes a turn that is heart-wrenching, redemptive, beautiful, and ultimately bittersweet. And this is the part where I'm going to give many spoilers. So if you have not read the book, you may want to just come back, mark your place here and come back until you have read it. Penny is convalescing from an injury on the farm. This is at the end of the book, and it's possibly a hernia or some other type of injury of that sort. And a flood has almost destroyed their crop. And then not once, but twice, Flag, who is growing very quickly, it's almost a year since they've taken him into their home. So then not once, but twice, Flag destroys the Baxter's attempts to produce a viable yield to the season. So they are threatened with ruin and Jody, in all his boyhood innocence and trust, is asked to do the impossible by his father. The one person in the world he admires and loves most asks him to kill Flag. In Penny's thinking, the animal has to be destroyed or he will come back and continue to ruin their crop. It is not something that he decides to do lightly. Due to Penny's own injury, he cannot do this himself and he has to ask his son to take the life of his beloved pet which I cannot even fathom reading this book. It just seems unimaginable to have to be tasked to do something like this, especially at such a young age. With all your innocence intact, it's just one of those most difficult things of life that we sometimes face. Now, before I get into the next part, I want to just touch on briefly I, I want to defend Penny's character and his honor in this. Is he cruel to ask this? And I just want to say it's an impossible situation again. And Penny is trying to do what is best for his family who are facing ruin and starvation if their crop is destroyed. It's the only thing he knows to do. It is not something that he is delighting in. It is heartbreaking for him as well. But Penny has been weathered by the world more than little Jody, and he can see how this has to be done. This is one of those difficult things in life that must happen, but Jody's just not there. He's just too tender to be faced with this. And so this is the dilemma that we come to within their relationship. After a very tense and fraught scene, when Flag is put down, it just goes all awry, and there is a terrible mishap. Jody runs away, spewing curses as he leaves. Jody believes he could have endured his father's death from the snake bite, but his betrayal has wounded him too deeply. Marjorie Kenan Rawlings excels in this moment, writing grief and the feelings of betrayal with rawness and heartbreak. We feel it. Here's a quote from that bitter moment when Jody has run away. Betrayal was intolerable. If Flag had died, 
If a bear or wolf or panther had slipped in on him, he would have grieved with a great grief, but he could have endured it. He would have turned to his father, and his father would have comforted him. Without Penny, there was no comfort anywhere. The solid earth had dissolved under him. His bitterness absorbed his sorrow, and they were one. So it's the first time in Jody's life that his father, a good man with whom he has shared a beautiful and close relationship, disappoints him. He sees fault in his father. He sees his father's frailty. He shouts abuse at his father and disavows his love, runs out into the wild world, a place of harshness and without the protection of home. And then when he comes to his senses, after being close to death, it's a pretty harrowing section of the book, just to warn you, he returns home. And here we have restoration and the redemption that I spoke of earlier. Jody's homecoming can be seen as a rite of passage of maturity. But I can't help but see the parallels of this and the parable of the prodigal son. It's like a mirror of our relationship with God in Jody and Penny and how we can sometimes in our naivety believe that God has disappointed us or he has failed us in some way. And then we come to our senses and we return. So I want to read very briefly of when the two reunite. Penny turned his head and looked at him wonderingly. As though the gaunt, ragged boy with sweat and tear streaks down the grime, with hollow eyes under matted hair, were some stranger of whom he expected that he state his business. He said, Jody. Jody dropped his eyes. Come close. He went to his father and stood beside him. Penny reached out for his hand and took it, and turned it over and rubbed it slowly between his own. Jody felt drops on his hand like warm rain. So you see, Penny's love for Jody never diminishes. He waits for his son, still yearning for his return in spite of the curses spoken against him. And instead of scolding his son for all the fear that Jody surely caused, this wilderness is a dangerous place, he could very easily be hurt, killed, lost forever. He welcomes him home with open arms. With that same good humor and understanding, he has always known. So we leave the story with dear Jody facing the reality of the harshness of the world, but return to the protection of his father and his father's love, which help shield him and help him weather the hardships of the broken world. The prodigal son is an old story one which I have heard personally since I was young. It was a story formed in my childhood through countless Sunday school lessons. I'm sorry to say that at times it was too familiar and the wonder of it was lost. And maybe you have found yourself in a similar situation. But as I read the end of the yearling this time and the beautiful restoration of Jody and Penny's love and relationship, it became new and fresh. The wonder was restored. I say this so often, here, but this is the power of these stories. If we let them, they help us to see our world with freshness, and they can, when we allow them, lead us back to the truth of God's love for us. I hope you, too, will clear some time to read and carve out some precious space on your bookshelf for this well-loved classic. That is all for today. I will be back in two weeks with a new episode. I am planning on releasing it on a Tuesday, but we will see how it goes with all the sicknesses out there at this time. But I am very excited for the next episode 
which I cannot wait to share with you. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed today's episode and the podcast in general, would you consider leaving a rating or review? It's just a small way you can help other people learn about the podcast. And if you'd like to connect during the week, you can find me at WellReadBeth on Instagram and a WellReadLife Facebook group. Happy reading. Until next time.